This is the Back Window Podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Hill. Today's episode is of old times and older trees. If a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, does it make a sound? It is an old conundrum, but here's a new one. When a tree breaks at the corner of Tom Hall Street and Unity Street, why do hundreds of hearts ache a little? A few months ago, the big oak tree on the corner of the post office split in two and had to be removed. So what? Here's the thing. For many of us, the tree did not stand at the corner of the post office. It stood at the corner of Central School, later named A.O. Jones. And students stood under it and talked or joked or courted for several generations. While there had once been several trees on the school grounds along Tom Hall Street, this big oak was the last survivor. Central School started its life as Fort Mills High School in the 1930s. It was a big, rectangular brick building two stories tall. The tree would have been big even then. My parents went there in the early 1940s when there were only 11 grades. One of my favorite photos of my father is in front of the school, sitting beside Frank Epps on a buckboard wagon pulled by a mule. Sure, there were cars in 1940, but high school kids didn't have them. That wagon was standard transport for dozens of teenagers, going for a swim at Nims Lake or across the river to Porter's Grill. In the early 1940s, when A.O. Jones was the principal, senior boys stood under the tree and told their sweethearts they'd signed up to go to war. Professor Jones, as the students called him, went on to become a revered Fort Mill School superintendent and Central School would eventually bear his name. In the early 1950s, a new high school was built on Bank Street and Central School became a middle school for grades five through eight. This was my time at Central School. Football coach C.M. Pete Reynolds served as principal and ran the school with military precision. Pete, as we whispered when we talked about him, made students walk the line. When going anywhere as a class, we walked on the right side of the halls and didn't talk. Outside on sunny days, we could laugh and play and be kids. But for recess on rainy days, we walked quietly in single file through the halls around the entire building until the bell released us to go to class. When I started at Central School, a new cafeteria had been added in a separate building to the left of the school. Prior to that, lunch was in the dark basement area. The basement was converted into the chorus room and the band room. Everybody took chorus led by Mrs. Reynolds, the principal's wife, but band was an option. One part of the basement also held a sweet place in my heart. At the bottom of the stairs, was a storage room that had been converted into what was called a canteen. After lunch and at recess, math teacher Mr. Case and special ed teacher Ms. Abels sold popsicles and ice cream bars. I was a fan of the ice cream sandwich and the banana popsicle. The popsicle sticks were valuable commodities. With five popsicle sticks, we could create a flying triangle. 
It was our pre-Frisbee Frisbee. I've told the story of my two visits to Mr. Reynolds' office for a wooden paddle behavior modification. See my second podcast, Baseball, Pete's Paddle, and Life's Lessons. I did get a little revenge on him once. My class of 7th graders was lined up on the stairs on the way to lunch. We were a little rowdy, and someone suddenly grabbed my shoulder in a pre-Vulcan nerve pinch. It hurt, and I elbowed my attacker hard in the stomach. My friends got very quiet, and when I looked around, my attacker was Mr. Reynolds. I got a stern look, but since he instigated the situation, I was not punished. Physical contact between boys and girls was forbidden, so during my time as a middle schooler at Central School, there was no smooching under the big tree. It became the place where 7th and 8th grade girls gathered and talked about how icky boys were. The boys were mostly playing baseball or shooting baskets on the playground. Some of us guys were beginning to think that girls might not be quite so icky. Mr. Reynolds believed competition was good for youngsters, and he would walk around during recess and award nickels to anyone who could make five free throws in a row or could kick five extra points. While a nickel does not sound like much in these inflationary days, at the time, it was just the price of a popsicle at the canteen. The big day for competition was one of the last days of school when the eighth graders were given a field day. There were competitions from sack races to foot races to high jump and broad jump. Winners in each category were given ribbons. I was the humble winner of no ribbons, although I did place second in the high jump. The big oak tree stood as witness to social change. South Carolina schools were late to integrate, and sometimes tensions ran high. The Big Oak stood on the school grounds opposite the sidewalk in front of the Presbyterian Church. Many black children walked from their homes in Paradise section and would cross over Unity Street onto the school grounds. On one of the first days of integration, several children from Paradise stood on the corner, hesitant to cross the street. A principal watched and was about to take action when one of the older white boys standing under the tree called across the street, Y'all come on over here. Ain't nobody going to bother you. The principal later told the story and said he'd never been prouder of a kid in his life. By the 1980s, Central School, then renamed A.O. Jones School, was replaced by a new Fort Mill Middle School. And while the school was no longer operating, the auditorium was used by the Fort Mill Community Playhouse until the new Fort Mill High Auditorium opened. I was proud to be a member of the cast in several plays, and so the school auditorium was doubly meaningful to me. The old school days were numbered, and it gave up the ghosts the night the auditorium was destroyed by fire in 1985. The next day, when the fire trucks were gone and only a little smoke still drifted up from the ruins, I walked to the edge of the Presbyterian Church parking lot to view the damage. As I stood there, my cousin and friend and Fort Mill icon, Stormy Young, came up and put his hand on my shoulder. Lots of memories, he said. 
That's all either of us could manage. The fire took us back to a more innocent time, a time that shaped us as it did countless others before and after us. The Big Oak stood as the sole sentinel of our past. Its roots were mingled with our own, and like us, it had its own time in the sun. Stormy wasn't there to share the loss of the big tree with us, but here's my hand on your shoulder. Lots of memories. <laughs>